Good morning. Beautiful weekend. One of those last final blasts of just a tiny, tiny little bit of summer-esque weather this weekend. I think yesterday was 73 and sunny at one point. Oh, you cannot beat that. Beautiful early fall, we'll call it. Even though it it is still, I guess, early fall, because fall goes till almost Christmas, right? Anyway, wonderful week for me. I had a very rich week this week. Just a lot of experiences this week, and I have a Great little, um, not really an interview, this is more of a conversation, it's me and my friend Stromy. Got a chance to catch up this week, no particular topic, we just kind of meander for a while, but I think you'll, hope you'll find it interesting at least. By the way, it is Sunday morning and I'm sitting in my living room right now, watching Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood with my son Leo, who's eating a little popcorn, looking at me right now, nodding his head, saying yes, yes, Leo had, and, and chocolate milk, that's right. Chocolate milk. I took the um, the Pittsburgh Dairy chocolate milk is so good, but it's also so rich that when you're giving it to a toddler, you almost are better off to put like a quarter a cup of the chocolate milk with like three quarters a cup of regular like non-fat or even skim milk, and you end up with sort of like a you still end up with a really tasty chocolate milk, quite frankly, but it's not quite as thick and rich. And anyway, we're addicted to that combo right now. Um, I actually had to deliver some sauce to Pittsburgh Dairy this week and just happened to be at the dock right when the owner was there. And he just goes, hey, you want some chocolate milk? And I go, sure, you want some sauce? And he goes, sure. And we had a trade on our hands. And he gave me a little one and a big one. He says, here's your roadie and here's your homie. And I said, yeah. And by the way, that roadie crushed it within about five minutes of leaving there. So, yeah, I had a rich week. I had a lot to do this week and uh, kind of all walks of life too this week. And just wanted to quickly touch on all those things because they were great. Oh, I did forget to mention Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, by the way, for my fellow millennials, which is what we're watching right now, is a spinoff of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood from back in the day. That's right. Leo thinks it's very cool that his daddy used to watch Daniel Tiger when he was a kid, right, Leo? Uh-huh. That's right. Thank you very much. You finished your popcorn? We're not going to have anything else till breakfast, okay? Okay. I love you. Yeah, so yesterday... I had uh, probably the highlight of my week, which was the Country Max Pet Halloween Costume Contest. I absolutely love that event. I just think that is the greatest thing, watching people go. And I get to be a judge, so I get a front row seat to watch people just bring their pets. Who Some of these people have spent hours putting together these costumes, and just not a single one of them was bad. I mean, every single one of them is such a pleasure and joy to look at. And there's people who have creative costume ideas, of course, but also just creative pets in general. I mean, we saw a baby fox. We saw an iguana, you know, a couple of guinea pigs just and bunnies. There were bunnies. You're right. And the winners were, there was a dog that was dressed up as Bill's Mafia. So basically they had a tabletop on his back with a bunch of like crushed Labatt blue cans. Leo, that's right, Leo went trunk-or-treating yesterday and dressed up as Lightning McQueen for the first time. Thank you, Leo. So the the number one pet was a dog who had um, crushed beer cans and, like, chicken wings and stuff on a table on his back, which was really cool. The other one, that was the overall winner, and then the judge's choice winner was a woman who had breast cancer awareness puppies. And so she had three puppies all dressed in pink ribbons and pink everything and breast cancer awareness shirts and stuff. Uh, But then her catchphrase was, get those puppies checked, (laughs) which I thought was brilliant. So (laughs) we gave her the judge's choice. And there were some other category winners, but those were the two that really, really stood out was the, uh, the Bill's Mafia dog with the table. 
on its back and then uh, of course get those puppies checked also last night saturday night i went to support one of my uh, team members and i went to extreme wrestling force at the harmony house in webster so i got to sit through a few hours of local professional wrestling last night and had a lot of fun uh, nothing like being in two places at once because while i was there i was getting text from the galasano children's hospital gala where they were auctioning off one of my dinners and we're actually doing a special one for this one I, I i know i say oh i never mentioned these i never mentioned these and then here i am like two three weeks in a row talking about these but for this one, we're actually going to do uh, something special um, because the donor of the house wanted to kind of pitch in and make it special. So we're doing a five-course meal, and uh, we're going to combine it and turn it into a class as well. So I'm going to do sauce-making and pasta-making class <clears throat> that night as well as serve a five-course meal at Lauren Dixon and Mike Schwabel's house. And uh, I don't know how much it went for last night, but I, I heard it went well. That's all I know. So while I'm getting texts that, one of the more noble causes, you know, the medical community raising money for one of the, if not the most noble cause known to man, uh, I'm also sitting front row watching grown men pretend beat each other up. So it was fun. <laughs> it was great. A couple other highlights from the week. I got to be on the radio this week, which was fun. I was on a radio station called WBTA in downtown Batavia, New York, where I was invited to talk about our Grow New York nomination. And uh, that was a lot of fun because I walked in. First of all, they're right on Main Street, but I walk into this radio station. I'm immediately introduced to the woman sitting at the, the front desk. And then finally, the, the jock, the disc jockey who's going to have me on the air, he's the morning guy there, comes to get me and introduces me to her. And it turns out the woman sitting at the front desk is the owner of the radio station. How cool is that? And that's some old school right there, too. You just don't see that anymore owners of radio stations and so we talked a little bit about the differences between working for a corporation and a locally owned radio station and uh i i mean like you know 90 percent of the advantages would be working for a local you know small owned radio station the only thing about working for a corporation that was advantageous was the resources you know you just had almost unlimited resources in terms of uh, access to talent, right? If you work for a small little locally owned station like that, the talent you have is is pretty much limited to what's in the building. Uh, with iHeart, we were able to basically span the country with if we needed a female voice for a commercial that sounded like this or like that, you just put out a request and somebody somewhere in some market will voice that for you. You know, I mean, that like that, plus all the just the random tools and stuff. I mean, iHeart had access to all these sound libraries, sound effects. You know, they, they would have subscriptions to like, um, you know, what do you call it? Uh, I don't think Shutterfly is the right thing. Getty Images, that's what I'm trying to think of. Getty Images, so you could have access to uh copyright free pictures and stuff so there's just you know what i'm saying like a corporation just kind of comes with a ton of tools built in that with a small business are a little bit less likely to come by but but still with the small business you just you get so much more opportunity for creative freedom the opportunity to actually carve out a niche instead of being told what your niche is going to be and being told that niches are wrong too that was one of the issues for me towards the end of radio uh, I think towards once podcasts really took off, so like mid 2010s, I think it became pretty apparent that you needed to embrace having a niche audience. And I think to this day in 2022, they still don't embrace that. They still think 
mass audience, you know. Um, so I think that's really that was really important. I think at a small radio station, you'd have more of an opportunity to do that. I love you too, Leo. Thank you for saying that. And I promise I will leave the living room soon so you can go back to watching Daniel Tiger in peace, okay? I love you. You're being such a good boy right now. And do you remember when we went on the fall foliage train ride this week? That was so much fun. We did. That was another highlight of my week was Leo, uh, Mommy, and Daddy went on a train ride. Yep, and Leo got a brand new steam engine while we were there. He went to the gift shop, Polar Express, because he was such a good boy while we were at the train ride. Yeah, we went on um, we went on a um, train ride at the Medina Railroad Museum, a fall foliage train ride this week. And those are really cool. And if you don't know about that train museum, they do kids stuff all the time. Like in December, they transform the train into the Polar Express. And we go on that, and then also, like, they did a Thomas the Train event this year, and which are great for families. But this fall foliage thing was really more for adults. I mean, this was on a Thursday in the middle of the day. Like, I had to leave work to do this. So it was really more geared towards, quite frankly, retirees. So we were a young family on this train ride because my wife has Thursdays off, and my son is still in preschool, and he goes Monday through Wednesday. So really, Thursday was a great day for my wife and my son, and they asked if I would go, and you know, there's disadvantages, many disadvantages to owning your own business, but one advantage to owning your own business is if you want to go on a full foliage train ride on a Thursday at 11 a.m., you can. So I did, and it was great, and I was really happy to have gone. And um, there was one point where the train goes through Lockport, and we go th- over a big uh, bridge, and the bridge was so skinny that you were almost... Leo said the bridge was going to fall over, which was only half funny because it was so skinny that if you looked over the sides, you looked straight down at the water. It wasn't like a big bridge at all. Just a little scary. A little scary, but still very fun ride. And finally, the last big highlight from my week was the uh, New York State Food Processor Association had a mixer had a mixer this week and uh my mentor from grow new york happened to be in town eric mosdy from corning but lives in charlotte north carolina came up to visit and um i brought him to the mixer and those things are so much fun because honestly anybody who's anybody who's manufacturing or creating some sort of food in this city that isn't a restaurant, right? Restaurants are a different category. This is manufacturing. So this is people making things that get packaged and then uh, sold at stores in retail or, or even in wholesale it, it is at this thing. And so we did it downtown at the commissary, really the Merc on Main at that new uh, La Bola, the bar being run by Janine and the crew from um, Avino. And just had the chance to talk to everybody. I mean, the crew from Real Eats was there. I talked to the people from the commissary, Headwater, Food Hub, the Cornell Center of Excellence, Love Beats. Who else was down there? Michael and Marisa Boza of Boza Pasta. Uh, uh, Dom from Pierogi Guy. Oh, the Paper Straw Girls, who I think they're called Rock Paper Straws. Um which, by the way, just occurred to me how brilliant of a name that is. Rock, paper, scissors. Rock, paper, straws. That's a great name. Oh, my gosh. The list goes on and on. Um, uh, I, I'm missing half of them. I'm sorry. I think I – not even half. I think I named about a quarter of the people who were there, and now I'm blanking on the rest. But just a, an absolute great group. 
uh, to be a part of New York State Food Processors. Okay, I'm going to shut up. Let's get to the interview. My man, Stromy, Chris Lindstrom, Food About Town podcast. Check him out. I always like hanging out. We're, we're recording, by the way. I always like hanging out with you. Well, every every time we start a recording, you start it without telling me you're going to start it. Yeah, it I just, just told happens. you. I just told you, though. Well, I know I you just, just told me, but it's like it's not like, hey, this is the introduction to the Polygoogliamo podcast. Yeah. This morning I did uh, I did WBTA radio in Batavia. Oh, Batavia radio. Fantastic, by the way. Powerful WBTA. BT- I walked in. Uh, the only station that really rocks. What is it like? Everybody's got the, every radio station has to have the weird number one. Yeah. The WP, WBTA Morning Zoo. <laughs> yeah, I, that's what I was with today. I was with that guy. And uh, the greatest thing about this radio station is I walked in and the very first person sitting at a desk, she says, oh, who are you here for? And I tell her who. And she says, oh, thank you so much. The guy comes up, introduced me to her. She's the owner of the radio station. Of course. I mean, where else would you How be? How freaking cool is that? Yeah. Yeah, but think about my background. I came from corporate radio. So you're <laughs> saying the owner of iHeartRadio wasn't in the radio station every day? Not as often as you'd think. <laughs> <laughs> that was the thing. I think, uh, actually, since I left radio, you've heard this podcast. I've had yes. a few times where I've maybe talked a little shit. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> and one of the things that I've heard has really, really pissed off my ex-manager was when I referred to him as essentially middle management. Because he was. It's I a mean, giant corporation. Right. And essentially is not the accurate word. It is 100% that. And it's like, I think being knowing who you are and where you actually yeah. exist in the infrastructure of the world of the business you're in yeah. is really important to being one satisfied with that. But I think one of the most poisonous things you can be is thinking you're more important than you are. Yeah, probably. It's poisonous. It, it hurts everything about the way you see the world and also makes you think weird things. Because if you think you're important, then you, then all the decisions you make, you, you think nobody else is important because you're that important. Yes. It poisons the way you think about the world. But wait a minute. But that, but that goes kind of... So I like to think that I don't think that. Uh-huh. However, being an entrepreneur may is sort of you are you have to be a little batshit crazy because in order to be an entrepreneur you have to have you have to have identified a thing and you have to say you know who would be great to do that me yeah this guy <laughs> well I mean so let's say between the two of us so oh hi everybody my name's Chris Lindstrom I'm one of the co-founders of Curate Meals host of the Food About Town podcast was I supposed to do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I did it. I, we got it covered. Um, so uh, subscribe to Food About Town podcast and all your things. Uh, but if you take a step back and you look at both of us, 
we both host our own podcast slash yeah. radio thing. Yeah. We're both running a small business in the food and drink industry, and which both basically defines both of us as some sort of egomaniacs. That yeah. we like, you know what everybody needs to hear? Yeah. Us ramble into a microphone for an hour with a guest or 20 to 30 minutes by ourselves. Yeah. That's what everybody needs to hear you're today. You're right. Actually, you're right. us I, talking. I actually think we might be the two least humble people ever. Because <laughs> you're so right. Think about that, too. So this comes out on a Sunday morning. Yeah. So it's Sunday morning. And I released it on Sunday mornings because it, I am of the opinion that on a Sunday morning, you probably want to hear what I have to say. Wait, wait a second. <laughs> it's like, you know. The best part of waking up <laughs> is Paul Guglielmo in your ears. Yeah, yeah, that's it, what it that's rolls off the tongue. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so actually, maybe we're both egotistical bastards, man. Oh, maybe I mean, we got to face that. We both have our moments, like, and that's the thing. It's like we're. I think it's always in the way you do the work, where it comes across differently. If yeah. you're doing the work where you're the star and like everybody look at me. At some point, you're you're doing things because you really believe in a product. You believe in the discussions. You believe, and sometimes you just need to get your voice out there and let it be heard when it comes to topics. I just started doing that on on the Food About Town podcast. I loved the bites episode you did. Yeah, I love it. The monologue is great, man. It's hard. It's hard to do when you're not used to it. Mm. Um, because like I know you've done a ton of them, and. A lot of your food, and, uh, you know, the food and wine show that you did for a long time yeah. was, you know, a lot of monologuing. It takes a little prep for me to think about it. Although realistically, if you told me to go off the dome for twenty minutes, I you don't can, think it's going to be a problem. No, you can do it. But um, it was really nice because I do so much stuff around food and drink that I miss things in between recordings because recording with people is hard, it is. especially when you're scheduling your own interviews. Yeah. It's and then, hard. And then, like, you end up getting someone in front of you, and then you just talk about that thing Yeah, with them. And, and it's not like a co Like, it's almost like a co-host situation is better because then you can just touch every... Like, this in particular right now, I'm not necessarily feeling pressure to inter- interview you about Curate. I'm just no. hanging out with my buddy. Right. And I figure let's turn on the mics. It's <laughs> so easy. Like, if we, we didn't have to plan a si- single thing... And if we just sit down and mics go on, yeah. an hour will go by without thinking about it. You just signed us up for an hour? Oh, God. Oh, That's 55. How's the batteries? We have 55 oh, more man, minutes. 55 I'm minutes. already out of stuff to talk about. But <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, I, you know, it's it's hard. Like, you could plan out a whole interview and at, think all the questions you're going to line up. Yeah. And if you're focused on that, the interview's not going to be good. It's the biggest fight I have with my dad all the time. Yeah. My father, who I love so much, but my father does community access TV in our little hometown in Ohio. He does, uh, I think it's called, oh, he's going to kill me for not knowing. It's like called, it's like Sun, no, Good Morning with Chuck Guglielmo or like Perfect. Sunrise with Chuck Guglielmo. Yeah. But he, um, writes out his interviews oh. and he sticks to the script and i always t- he al- he's always like what do you think and i go it's good but listen i go you you're stri- you're sticking to your script too much i mean i'm telling you my father he could be interviewing somebody and that person could look at him and they could go and that's when i discovered the cure for cancer and he would go fantastic now i read that you <laughs> <laughs> like you know what i mean like he would just go to his next question like he would <laughs> and it's challenging right i i I've done some interviews where I did I did write out a bunch of questions, but you have to be ready to not get to a lot of them. 
because as soon as you're wedded to all that stuff, yes, then you're you're going to miss those moments. And if you're not having an actual conversation, then then you're just rambling at each other. You're not yeah. actually talking. Yeah, I would also like to say we are sitting at the commissary. Yeah, so sitting in mercantile on Maine. In the mercantile yeah. on Maine. I'm sorry, but so there's background noise and stuff but i honestly i think it's fine you're actually lively you're more of a stickler for that kind of stuff than i am oh yeah you love sound and i kind of for having had years in the actual sound industry i kind of don't give a shit about how it sounds but you're just like you're good you sound good on yours it, it takes it took a long time to get there so if god forbid for some reason you went and listened to like my first 20 shows yeah or whatever they were recorded. I slapped a, the first like four or five. I put a iPhone in the middle of a table oh. with nothing on it. Yeah. And this was early iPhones. Yep. Um, and then I bought a Blue Yeti, you know, the USB one. I brought my laptop to a place and recorded. I remember we recorded at Moonlight Creamery in Fairport, uh-huh. a fine a fine establishment. Uh-huh. Uh, they did the ice cream. We did ice cream cake for our wedding, and they made That's a custom cute. ice cream for us for our wedding. Great. Which was awesome. Yeah. Um, but we were um. I recorded there, and the mic's so sensitive that it was picking up the compressors uh, of the ice cream yep. uh, cases going on and off, and you could hear it every time it turned on and off. And I listened to him like, I, I can't, I can't live with this. I can't do it because um, I think both of us were both radio nerds, right? We've talked about this. I on love prior radio, shows. yeah. Like I listened to so much talk radio over the years, and um, you know, guy talk radio and. Uh, good production radio, and at some point I'm like, I I can't live with this not sounding good. So, what I did first was I built a, um, I put on just little little arms in the studio. I think you recorded there when I just oh, yeah. had the little arms with. When the, I recorded with you, it was great. It was like a real studio. Yeah, it was with like Audio Technica 2100 mics, 60 bucks a piece, nothing wildly okay. expensive. Yeah, and that was good. I had one. I had a board. It went into my laptop. I could record, and I just popped it out. Um, and that was decent. I did plenty fine with that. Uh, over the last couple of years, I went full upgrade. Um, I got a, like an actual broadcast level mic that's sitting at my station. Nice. And the other ones, uh, I'm, I'm all Rode now, Rode products. So I have the oh, okay. Rodecaster uh, 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 board. Well, so what, it's all, what's the microphone that you're talking about? So I, I've got the Rode Procaster. Rode Procaster, okay. So Please that's like, uh, you know, cost-wise, it's like in the two... You know, 250 range, and that one's running through my board on XLR. Okay. You can buy it with USB if you don't want to run it through a board. Um, but my board is all—it's all digital. It's got Bluetooth where you can like have people call in through your phone. Um, That's awesome. And it, it's you know, and I'm just upgrading the arms now. But basically, my goal is if I wanted to do voiceover, I basically I did some voiceover stuff. And I listened to it after. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? This isn't good enough. Wow. You are strict. Well, for a professional voiceover, you yeah. do need to have this. This what I'm showing you right now. This is called an RE20. You familiar with that? Oh, yeah. That's what we had in radio. Oh, yeah. Those are much more common. Those are the yeah. big old Shures. I think they're like 600 bucks or something. Yeah. This is yeah. like the this is like the budget version mm-hmm. um, that is it's still dynamic. So it doesn't pick up as much exterior noise, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, just like we're talking into now. Yeah. Because um, I don't have a super quiet studio. I have a quiet enough studio, but it's just a room in my house. I don't have foam on the walls. I'm not yeah. sitting in a closet with, you know, with coats and things to get perfect sound. 
But you know what? It, I really want it to sound as good as it can. I don't do a lot of remotes because I really want it to sound great. It, it does sound great. Your, your podcasts do sound great. Let me ask, as a podcast listener, let me ask some questions yeah. that I'm always dying to ask. Sure. One, the interview you just put out with Leba. Yeah. You reference at the beginning, you're like, tomorrow's the first day of summer. Ugh, and I'm like, Christ, I should never do that. What do I like? What is happening that you're like sitting on interviews for months? Like, uh, I'm bad. I'm bad at doing my job, <laughs> uh, mostly. Uh, no. So, so realistically, that that is the honest truth. Is, um, I mean, you know, we're we're both very busy. You're much better at making sure you hit it every week and hitting every Sunday. You've been so good at that. But I'm say, you know, also in that, I will I will barely clean anything up about this. Yeah, this will air exactly the way we're doing it. So. What my problem is, and I'll say from, I'll give you the how first, and then I'll give you a proposed why. Okay. So the how is, basically, I'll have a thing almost done. I barely will edit a podcast. I don't edit out ums. I don't edit out gaps. What you hear is essentially what I recorded, which is a real discussion. Yeah. Just like you do in a lot of ways. We're, we're doing a discussion with somebody else. Um, so I don't, I don't do much editing, but it's the act of having to go sit at my computer after a day of doing stuff and adding the intro and the two commercials and the little outro calling out uh, the person who did the music for the show. That is enough. And then having to post it, that's enough to make me not do it for months. <laughs> and it sits in the back of my head. I'm like, oh. What is that? What is, is that, is that? ADHD? 100%. Is so that gonna, what it I'm is? I'm going to give you the why. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm not officially diagnosed, but based on everything I've read and everything else, it's 100% that. I am prone to one little hurdle stopping me from doing something, but it doesn't stop me from hating myself for the intermediate three months uh-huh. for not doing it. Because I know I need to do it, and I know it only take me 15 minutes, but I won't do it for three That's months. That's fascinating to learn about that. I love learning about that. You know, th- those kinds of things, I guess I'm calling an issue. It is an issue. Oh, yeah, for it's sure. It's a real thing. And like you said, you're undiagnosed, but it's a real thing. But it does sound like one of the common symptoms. Absolutely. What, what is it? What is it that's making you say, I can't do that right now? Um, I have too much to do? No, it's not. It's never that. It's there's either constant motion of action or inaction where I'm just like, I just like fall. I fall off a cliff and I'll be watching, you know, watching an hour of YouTube when I get home because oh, I work a full-time job. Yeah, you need like, to decompress work, a little. Yeah, yeah, I, I work in automation, so I, I, I have a full-time job, and I'm about to start managing one or two people mm-hmm. um, at my day job. And things are going great, but that's a lot of day. Mm-hmm. And then with Curate and, you know, just the world, like we're renovating our kitchen right now, um, all that stuff just something always falls off and that's one of the classic symptoms is something is always not right something's always falling off and it's always something that bites you in the back of your neck (laughs) and you hate yourself for it all the time i always have something like that are you doing some cool foodie stuff in your kitchen like are you installing any like nerdy stuff we're doing a little bit so we got we got uh we got we did a mid-level renovation not crazy expensive or anything um so I got an induction stove instead of a gas stove. Nice. Because I wanted that really quick uh, cooking style. Um, you got the you know quartz countertops, which are nice. We didn't go like fancy or marble or anything. We got quartz countertops. Um, they're building in my wine fridge underneath the counters, which is nice. 
Um, and then just really, it's it's having more space to cook. Yeah. So we, you know, we can put the rice cooker out and make sure that's ready to go. Got to get a rice cooker. Rice well, cooker you, sounds you eat great. pasta. I mean, I eat a lot of pasta. You people eat pasta. <laughs> we do. I do these. Uh, I I don't talk about it much because it's the type of thing where I feel like I don't want to talk about it. Do you remember how we were talking? I think it was off the air about trying too hard. Maybe oh, yeah, try, yeah. yeah. There's the natural, and then there's the maybe I'm trying too hard. For sure. We do this thing a lot that we don't talk about because I feel like if I did talk about it, it would make it seem extremely disingenuous. Yeah. Or like I was trying too hard. But for the sake of this conversation, because I want to tell you about people's kitchens, I get the opportunity to cook in a lot of people's kitchens. Yeah, yeah. Because for a lot of um, charity galas and stuff in the city, I donate uh, that I'll come to your house and make sauce. And... Uh, the people who win those typically have extremely nice kitchens. <laughs> one would imagine. And I just did one in, um, this would have been in Rush. Okay. It was down in Rush. This guy. We got I, married in Rush. Did you? Okay. At one of the Lehigh Valley Lodge. Okay. All right. Cool. Anyways, not there. It wasn't there where you did the meal. I get this guy, I get to this, I pull into this development and, um, and it's beautiful homes and I keep going and I finally get to this, the one I'm supposed to get to and I go up this twisty driveway up a hill to this just freaking beautiful home up on the top of a hill overlooking the entire development and with all these woods behind him and it's just like a castle and yeah. I'm like, holy shit, I get to cook in this freaking kitchen. And uh, it turns out he was the guy who actually started that development. He was like oh, the developer gotcha. of the development who yep. decided this is the one where I'm settling down and that's the spot I'm taking. Uh-huh. But anyway, his kitchen, holy shite, bro. Uh-huh. He had uh, beer on tap on his coming up from his countertop. Great. which was nice. Sure. Rich people kitchens are something else. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of stuff I would do given infinite funds. Mm. Like, I've got a lot of home projects that you need to do, and, like, I have to parse them out. I can't do it all at once. Do you know that thing when you walk into, um, I think it's Revelry, where the, the wine, you can see down into yeah. the wine? I've been in somebody's house before that had that in their house. Oh, great. Where you can I mean, see down into their wine cellar from... <laughs> Yeah, I was reading something about development now in uh, cities where there's money and you can't build up. People are building down now. Uh, yeah. So they've got like a 5,000 square foot like house, you know, mid-sized 5,000 yeah, square foot yeah. house. Um, but they're building 12,000 square feet underground. Uh-huh. They're building two layers underground. They're building all this stuff because they can't build up or wide. They can build down. Yeah. So they're taking out thousands of square, thousands of square yards of you know stuff and they're gutting gutting the ground to build down because you know people have way too much money and they're throwing it at stuff yeah if i'm learning i'd be throwing at stuff too oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> but just like industrial industrial style stoves like in people's kitchens oh yeah the giant islands i know the islands are nothing too special but people that have giant islands just all that space is oh, yeah. so beautiful do you have a lot of space in your kitchen i was buying space that's what we bought okay so we had this so the family that was there before, I think they had kids when they did the reno. So they had this short little hexagon table that was like an outcropping from a dividing thing. Yeah. But it was meant for people to sit in front of a window in chairs and eat with their family. And the first thing I want to do is I want to rip that out. <laughs> like, oh, I want to eat with my family. I want to eat breakfast in the morning together. No, <laughs> gone. Yeah. Formal dining room, gone. Put it, put in, give me my elliptical and a big TV in there. Like, no, that's it. I don't want any of that nonsense. So basically, we, we took that out and uh, we added more counters around a right angle, essentially. Mm-hmm. So we've almost doubled our open counter space 
so we can do more prep work. That's great. And that, for us, that's the big thing is we're on top of each other now. Mm-hmm. You couldn't chop on the old one because it was too short. It would yeah. hurt your back. And by the way, I know it's the love of your life. That's your wife. But how frustrating is it when you're just on top of each other in a kitchen? Oh, like, you're just ready to kill each other. It's terrible. <laughs> and uh, my, my buddy just moved into the house, um, and he cooks more than I do. Um, so, like, we're going to be in the kitchen a lot at the same time. And you, we need the space. Need like, the space. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And my wife has a thing. My wife does where she just, wherever I am in the kitchen, that's the exact spot she needs to be. Mm. <laughs> is that exact spot. I'm thankful that my <laughs> wife is, we are, we like spending time together. We enjoy traveling. We're really good in the same space. But when we're at home or doing stuff, like she travels for her, uh, for her business. She travels all over the place. I am perfectly content with her being gone. Uh, she did a f- road trip to Florida this year. So she had a show down in uh, Orlando. And instead of flying, she drove down. Okay. Made three stops on the way down to friends and family. Yeah. Then went to friends and family in Florida and then drove back. She was gone for two and a half weeks. Wow. Straight. What was that like? Um, It's not great. But at the same time, like, you know, like, if you're, let's say your family was gone for two and a half weeks, it's not like you wouldn't be busy. You're busy. I feel like I would be. I'm the worst type of person because I want my cake and I want to eat it and, and I want to eat it too. Yeah. Like I, I think the first day she leaves, I'm probably jubilant. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. I get two weeks to myself. Here we go. Days two through thirteen, I am miserable. I yeah. miss her. I need her back. Yeah. On my last day, I switch where I go. I didn't. I didn't enjoy it enough. She's gonna be back. It's. It's almost over. I'm like. It's either like I regress into like right out of college <laughs> me. Who is just a garbage person, just all, just a garbage person, day in and day out, or it's like I completely reset my all of my routines. So I do a bunch of cooking, I prep all my meals, I start my like exercise routines, and like I use that time usually if she's gone to try and reboot everything, yeah, all at once. But that means through that time, I never. I'm not doing stuff, yeah. <laughs> or I turn into the garbage person. I'm like, you know what? It's Saturday. I'm playing 2K for five hours yes. straight. Yes. I'm playing my ninth season of NBA 2K20, and I'm playing ten games in a row. Yes, I'm gonna feel like an awful monster. Oh my god, I miss. You it's still like play one of the two? Do you still play video games? I play 2K. That's it. Oh, I miss. I haven't. I had to kind of give it up to be honest with you. I yeah. got a little too busy, but I miss sitting on a Saturday or a Sunday and just playing six hours of Madden. Yeah. Just out, like an entire franchise mode. Yeah, 2K is where I, that's where it's like a relaxing thing. If she wants to watch, like she watches like, you know, the video game recaps online where they play through the game. Um, So I'll play a game that she wants to watch. Like Mm. I've been playing like one of the Batman games or we were playing Red Dead for a little bit. Yeah. And that's great because she doesn't mind watching. Weren't you pissed when you saw Twitch, by the way? Like, don't you feel like we all, like, our generation invented Twitch in college? It's so weird. Like, Like, I I don't, I can't get into it. I know it's valuable and I know it's good, but I still can't get into it. It's just not for me. I watch YouTube, right? That's about as young as I get. We all played Halo in college in our dorms. We had Halo, you know, like eight different rooms on our floor were all Mm -hmm. playing in the same Halo. And I sucked. I was, you know, one of the worst. So I'd play a little, and then eventually I'd just get frustrated of sucking. And I found it so much fun to just go down to one of the people who was really good and just watch them play. Oh, yeah. Why the fuck didn't I invent Twitch? Oh, yeah, it was crazy. What? So, <laughs> I'll tell you. So, honestly and truthfully, like, I'm I'm pretty good at a lot of things. I know a lot of stuff. I do a lot of really good things. I'm very content and proud of a lot of my accomplishments. In the year 
the year of the NHL video game gods, 2020, uh, 20, 2001, uh-huh. 2001 or 2002, I played an infinite amount of games of NHL 97 on the Super Nintendo against my next door neighbor. I'm pretty sure I've never been as good as anything as I was at that. <laughs> that year, you I think it. that was the best I've ever been at anything. Yeah, yeah. I would just shooting percentage, 90, 100% <laughs> for games at a time. And uh-huh. controllers were thrown. And, like, I, I, that might have been the best I've ever been at anything. Yes. I'm embarrassed at how many controllers I've thrown across the room <laughs> in my life. I think I've done damage to yeah. quite a few controllers. I, I've, I'm thankful I've never broken a curling broom. I, I did break a stabilizer once, but I've never broke a curling broom. I, thankfully, I'm a lot more constrained than I was yeah. when I was younger. But I'm, I'm thankful I never did that. You know, my, my wife thinks I'm a psycho because I'll, I'll uh, say we buy something, like, say we buy like an Ikea thing or something, I got to put it together. I'll talk to it. I'll be like, I'll be like all right, why don't you want to go? Come yeah. on. What do you do? And she thinks I'm the craziest thing she's ever seen. She goes, it's not real. It can't hear you. And I, I know that. Yeah. But I need to talk to it because I'm mad at it. No, it's like, and it's really, we're talking to ourselves because we're substandard when it comes to constructing things. Like, I'm aware of my, I'm aware of my shortcomings. I can build a thing. You're an engineer, though, aren't you? I'm, like, no, you I'm a helper. That's the thing. I've always been a helper. So yeah. we, family, we, we talked before, I think the last time about the, I grew up in a family business, mm. but my dad was always building the thing. I was the helper. Uh-huh. I was the assistant. Uh-huh. And so I got my engineering degree. First job out of college was aerospace. I was a manufacturing engineer. I didn't build anything. I made sure the stuff showed up. Uh-huh. And that I wrote the instructions for somebody else to do it. Uh-huh. Then I became a project manager. And a thing that project managers definitely don't do is build things directly. You just align all the elements to make sure it gets built. I, I was yeah. a PM for 10 years. Yeah. And now I'm in, like, you know, uh, you know, uh, continuous improvement. Yeah. You know what I don't do? Build, build anything. Well, okay. So, what? Tell me about your real job right now. So, you, okay. continuous improvement. So, you're going and looking at automated things and trying to figure out how to make them better. So, it's less direct than that. Okay. So, my my role in doing continuous improvement, I'm transitioning into that role right now, is basically we look at our, we're doing some analytics, measuring measuring how things are doing, uh, and it's less on the individual machine, but as a like could be financial, could be schedule, could be things like that. Um, and then I get a chance to, we can look at process. And if we know that process might be affecting thing, we're actually changing the fundamental process. Interesting. We might do an audit of, um, you've talked about audits on the show before, for yeah. what you have to do for food safety. But uh, as you mentioned before, they're not auditing now. They're auditing your process. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. They're auditing. Are you keeping the records you say you're going to keep? There's a difference between an inspection and an audit. Right. right? An audit so, is way harder than an inspection. So yeah. we might do both, right? We might go, <clears throat> we might go direct to something and say, "Are you doing this now?" Or we might say, "Hey, you're you're losing budget on this discipline, on these four projects. Why? What what was the reason why that happened?" then maybe we say we need to upgrade the way we draw our things or maybe we need to train people differently or do this um but those are all possible outcomes from that um but you're trained at looking at a process yeah and realizing efficiencies within that process sure that's a that's it's harder than it sounds that's a good skill it's it a is, great but skill i think so when we talked about before we're talking about like the that the way your brain works 
like the way my brain really works well is taking a situation, evaluating it quickly, and coming to an idea that is 70% correct. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I can get to a 70% solution really fast. And then I put it in front of other people and let them tear it apart. And then we get to 100 fast. Yeah. Or 95 fast. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing that I offer is I am persistent. Like, if I don't know something and I've got a task in front of me, I'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. I'll get through it. Um, recently, the, for, for, all, for all you Excel nerds out there, um, I took, like, I don't know how to write macros, but I was taking a document that was old, over 10 years old, and I had to upgrade it to simplify the process. I don't know how to fix anything. I took, I searched everything I needed to learn. I learned what I needed to do. I altered existing macros. I made my own. And I've taken something from, that's taking me two to four hours a week down to 10 minutes a week. That's huge. That's and it's huge. huge. It's great when it's, yeah. because you're, my time, if I'm going to start to manage other people, like I need, I can't be doing repetitive stuff all the time. Right. I need to, I need to spend time with, with the with new people spend time with the managers working with them um, get any good get any good stories where everything just kind of was just a cluster it's like you put the the thing together and it just like worked backwards or something yeah i mean we've we've all we've all i'm not going to throw a specific example because you know customer confidentiality and everything uh -huh, uh -huh. but you know I'm, i've been pretty honest about you know lessons learned as a pm yeah like hey I think the biggest lesson I learned on one of the last projects I did was you have to be able to step back and ask for help. You have to know when you're underwater. I remember when you were going through that. Yeah, it was hard. I, yeah. I burned out really hard, and I didn't know how to ask. I didn't know how to tell them that I needed more help than I was uh -huh. getting. How did you eventually fix So you were, just to put in context, you're at work. Yep. You're, you have a project, and, and it's just... You're just underwater on it. It's just I was, too yeah. much. And you, I remember you were really going through a hard time where you're like, the whole thing was just you were you were afraid to ask and because you were afraid it would make it look like you weren't capable. Is that what it was? No, it, I, I think it's it's partially that, but partially, yeah. you know, I think we can both say occasionally we're stubborn and we're, we, we know we can do it. Yeah, you think it. you can conquer the world. As soon as you know you can do it, you don't want to give that up. Yes. And you don't want to, because... In a perfect world, you would be able to do it. Yes. And that's the, one of the most damaging things is like, I know I can do something, so I take it on. Yeah, yeah. And it's too much. And in this case, it was too much for me to handle, and I needed to ask for more help. So how did you finally get yourself to make the phone call to whoever you had to call and say, I need help? Oh, I just broke. I, I just broke. broke. Yeah, it was. And, you know, sometimes it, things are obvious, right? And mm -hmm. it's like, hey... You know, a customer's on site and meeting doesn't go well. Things get escalated, and then hey, here we are. Yeah. And then you recover. Either you recover or you completely. <laughs> unless you're, then you're done. Then you're done. It's yeah. one or the other, right? You have to either recover and get better. Yeah. And do better. And from that point forward, I changed everything about how I process things. It took that. It took that for me to get better at everything I did. And after that, I was much better. I didn't fix everything. It took another break for me to fix everything else. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, but and it can be it can be so humbling too when you do ask for the help and then the help comes and they're like better than. Have you ever had that happen? They're like they do it better than you would. Well, I think I think <laughs> thankfully the the person who got assigned to help me was, you know, he broke it down into 
like you have to go down to the you have to go to go to ground. One of the one of the things in our our management system is you're going to ground, you're going person to person, and you're asking the baseline information. Because if you're just in your office and you're not going to every person and talking to them and understanding why is this not done, you don't know. You don't really know unless you're down in the in the weeds sometimes. Not every day necessarily. No, you're, you're but absolutely right. you have right. to get into the weeds, and you have to know what's going on, or you have to assign somebody to know what's going on, and then occasionally you have to check on them that they're going down all the way to the ground. You're absolutely right. I think I can relate. At my plant, um, used to do a lot more production than I do now. I've realized that I don't necessarily help. when I did. There's ways I can help, but if I did get into production at this point, I think I'm just kind of in the way. But even more so uh, about getting down to the ground level and actually in order to know, know, like truly know, I've realized that if I'm in there doing any production and something's broken, I'll just like get it fixed. I can't yeah. fix anything, but I'll just like get it fixed. And, uh, you know, they need that. They need that. And, and nobody had maybe asked. I don't know where I'm going with this as much as it's like nobody ever asked me to get that thing fixed. I didn't even know it was broken. Yeah. But as soon as I experience it broken, it pisses me off. I'm like, fuck it. We're fixing it. Sure. You know. Well, and that's. But I, I wouldn't know that if I wasn't in the weeds. Yeah. And I know my capabilities were not in getting things like it was getting things done. But I know if you're having me turn a wrench, this is bad. It's not good. <laughs> well, because that, if that's the situation, that means something else is broken. Yeah. It's not a good idea. I can do it, but not at that level. Um, and, you know, I, I started to develop more systems. I started to get deeper into analytics. I started to get to how can I help people do the work as efficiently as they can do it? How can I use numbers to show somebody that this is what you need to tackle. Yeah. Um, I developed my own little tool and I tracked all the data. I was in the plant 11, 12 hours a day on the road. And every day I was getting thousands of lines of data and I was turning it into a thing saying, Hey, here's the worst thing over the last five days. This is what we should do next. And that's how we got to the end. Good. Through a lot of help. But that's how you get to the end of something is, Somebody has, you have to make good decisions. Yeah. You can't just say, ah, fire, fire. But what is the actual worst thing? What's causing the most downtime? What's causing the most loss of money? How do you handle, you, you are, you're very, you're one of the smartest people I know. How do you handle being wrong? Ooh. Um, Cause that's something I like about you is I do think that you are, uh, is I love listening to your podcast because I think that you are very, of course, first of all, extremely smart. So I got to give you the compliment before I, before I give you the backhand <laughs> compliment. But you're also very like particular. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> you're I'm, like I'm straightforward about that. You're like this. The, yeah, I had this. They didn't do it right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm always like, please don't review my sauces. This wouldn't go well for me. <laughs> so, how do you handle uh, in a, How do you handle any situation where you have to look back and go, holy shit, I was just wrong. So. Because I feel like you are able to do that. It's, it's not. It's not always easy. Um, I'll I'll tie it to a curate situation, and we're we're pretty transparent about things. Um, we we started, you know, we're we're bootstrapped. We're all at full time jobs. You know, people have kids, so we're all doing this on the fly, right? We're we're passionate. We're doing a lot of good work, but you know, we're not we're not perfect by any means. Um, 
and I'm I'm signing up all the restaurants when I go out and build the relationships and go sign up a restaurant. Um, I'll I'm not going to name the place because it doesn't matter who it was. It, that's not relevant. But we had a we had a meal, and uh, people pick up picked up the food, and we started packaging it. I hadn't done we hadn't we hadn't put in process to do demo meals yet. So now part of our process we do. We do a demo meal ahead of time. We have our social media person eat it and give me feedback. Was this enough food? Was it good? Is there anything we can change about how it was packaged um, to make sure we're not going to not have enough food? In this instance, um, we had a meal that came out, and we started handing it out to people. And when we opened it, we're like, ooh, this is only a person and a quarter worth of food. It's not two people mm-hmm. worth of food. Mm-hmm. We have variants where it's just two people worth. I mean, if I'm a monster, I could eat the whole thing maybe. Yeah. But realistically, it is two people worth of food. And we say it varies. Sometimes we're giving you almost four. Like if we're working with, uh, since we're at uh, we're at the Mercantile, if we're working with Megusta, which we did work with, people got three plus people worth of food. <laughs> yeah. That was a big meal. Um but sometimes it's two because it's uh, ingredient costs are higher than otherwise. But so you're in the middle of a meal and you realize you're handing people what's supposed to feed two. Yeah. And it's not quite that. But you're in the middle of it. You've we already knew, given it to we people. We knew it was one and a quarter people. And we sent out an automated email at, let's say, 8 o'clock that night asking for feedback. And we knew that if we waited for 8 o'clock, in between, this was a few calls. And they're, they're tense calls, right? Between me and some of the other guys. Oh, and people were calling, bitching? No, no, it was oh. me and them. Oh, okay. We, somebody had, I think somebody had called us, and we had evaluated, and we knew that it wasn't right. And before it got to 8 o'clock, when we knew the emails were going to start coming in, we're like, all right, we're just refunding. We, I think we refunded 50%. Wow. Because we knew it was still, it was one person where the food was yeah. good. Yeah. The food was delicious. But... You know, we, we refunded, without people complaining, we refunded 50, it was at least 50% of that meal without people asking. I think it was the right thing to do. And it is. Yeah. We, we knew it was the right thing, but what did we take from that? We, we added processes. You added a process. So yep. we, now we have a process where every meal gets tested ahead of time. Is it enough food? Is it good? Is it ready for other people other than me? Have you had to reject anything? Um, Have you ever had to go to the restaurant and say, hey, could you ever? We've adjusted. Yeah. We've adjusted. Um, we've had like, hey, this, you know, we need to bulk this out. They need more something. Sometimes it's just adding a starch. It's adding rice on top of something. Make sure you have enough bulk to finish it out. It's not that it wouldn't have been good, but you have to balance it. And we, we've had to, we've done adjustments. And um, I think it's, it's being able to say, you know what, I I'm busy. I didn't do enough work. I didn't do it the right way. And if I make a mistake at home, I've made plenty of mistakes at home where, um, like when my wife transitioned out of working her day job, she's been pretty transparent about this, but she was miserable. She was miserable, and now she's much happier doing her own thing. But she was miserable, and I was like, well, you just go to work and do your job and come back at the end of the day and, like, but she like she cares. Uh-huh. She cares about, and I care about what I do. But it's not the same. She cares deeply and truly, and she wants to be. She it's part of her what she does, and that's great. It balances me out. But I'm like, oh no, you just go and do your thing, and who cares what anybody else is doing? It's irrelevant. 
Um, and I, she was miserable, and I didn't see it. And she was, she was miserable, and she had to quit. And I, I was like, oh, don't do that. Let's do your thing on the side. Like, I do my things on the side. Yeah. Just do it on the side. And, you know, eventually somebody, somebody told, talked to me like, she's not happy. Why, why are you fighting this at all? I'm like, oh, wow. You didn't realize it was quite that serious. Well, it's because that's not how I work. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm a monster. I grew up in the, so, the family business. I can grind. But it's a really good example of you just having to be like, oh, I have to realize I was wrong. That's, she isn't the same person as I no. am. No. I did yeah. one this week. I got frustrated at something. Mm-hmm. Or doing the kitchen reno. Yeah. And, you know, I, I go to work every day. Yeah. Right? I go to work every day, and I'm, I'm at work for, you know, my you know, eight, nine hours or whatever. And, you know, I do my prep when I need to do it, and I force my way in. And, you know, she likes the organization and things. And it's like, hey, it throws her off. And, like, it's easy for me to say, well, just do it on the off time. Just do this. Just do that. And it's not about that. Yeah. It's about, like, yes, I know this throws you off. How can we do something better? Because what I would tell the guys is, like, get out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Get out of the way. I need to. I need to leave. I need to move my car, mm-hmm. and I need to go and do something. And it's different when you're not there all day. It's a different perspective. And I'm. I try to slow down. My like, just get it done. Just do the thing. I I have to slow that down, or else I can't be a balanced person. And. I can go fast, but you have to slow down and evaluate the situation. And when you're going fast, you make mistakes. Oh. Oh, that's the story of my life. I think most of the mistakes I've made have been a result of trying to do it too quickly. Yeah. Trying to power through something just too damn fast. Because you feel like you got so much on your plate that you got to get it done. So you try and do it twice as fast as you should, and then you just do something wrong. Oh. Oh, God. So, yeah, it's interesting to hear that you're occasionally wrong at home because I, I haven't had that happen to me yet. No, I But it's one day. Just so smooth. One day I'll, I'm sure that'll <laughs> happen. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, you know, I, I'm also, I'm a, I'm a pretty open book when it comes to things. Um, and it's nice, it's nice that, like, I love my wife. I respect what she does. I respect her business. I respect what she does. I travel with her occasionally. I get to confer with the furries um, and be around them, and that's a weird thing, but it's great. Um, but I, I get to help. I get to I get to do stuff. What does she do? She's art artist, right? Yeah, Traveling so she artist? gets uh, she gets t-shirts made, yeah. t-shirts, lanyards, pins, uh, uh, you know, prints, stuff like that. Uh, but she gets all her t-shirts made locally. She gets them made of tiny fish, um, and she travels all around the country selling at furry conventions. I go to four or five a year. Nice. Helping her sell. Um, what are those like? In- furry conventions like? Oh, it's a whole thing. I, want, I mean, I want to come at it respectfully. Oh, yeah. Because I do understand that there exists a an angle of that that you look at. And you might say that's funny, I guess. Sure. But I actually think any community... That has found, they found their thing, man. They found their people. And I respect 100%. that. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. And it's, it's another one of those instances where it's like, it's not for me. Yeah. But that's a statement in of itself. Nice people? 100%. Right. Well, I won't lie. I get 100% is wrong. Yeah. Um, 99% nice people. So <laughs> it's, 
so I'll I'll give a couple of my. I love coming up with, like, cohesive theories of things. Uh. So, one, the furry community is very high, very high percentage of LGBT plus community. Okay. Um, highest percentage of uh, trans people that I've ever actively been around. Um, you know, I have friends who are, but, you know, in, in my regular life. But there, the percentage is much higher. Okay. Um, so, I learned a lot. Because you you might know it in theory, you know how how to you know how to address how to change your mental state of you know not always defaulting to you know he and she it's defaulting to they in the community a lot mm-hmm, of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, being more conscientious of that because it's you know trying to be respectful. It's not my place. That that convention's not for me. It's for them. Um, but. All these subcultures, right? We're, we all have our own subcultures that we're part of. We're totally. part of the food and drink thing, right? Yeah. Um, but the subcultures kind of divide into three different levels. First, it's somebody that just really likes it, right? This is a good thing. The second level is this is your thing. This is the biggest part of who you are. And the third level is you can't exist outside of this community. Right, so it's when you when you get the stereotypical picture of the anime person, or you know the comic book person, or whatever, the people that only live that—that's all they are. Those are the people people make the stereotypes and they make fun of, right? In all these communities, because it's easy, because they're you know they're not balanced, they're not this, they're not that. But that's not the bulk of any of these communities. Well, of those three that you just broke down, what's the bulk? Is it the first one, second one, or a combo of the two? Somewhere in between. Okay. So it's in between one and two is the bulk. Um, I'd say more two than you'd think because it's a lot of people trying to figure out who they are. And it's a very young community. So it's people who go, they, they, they live their life, they go to work, yep. they, they, they eat dinner, they've got families. But everyone kind of knows, like, hey, on weekends, I go and I do this thing. Yeah. And, and I have a ton of fun doing it. Well, and the wild thing is... That's that second tier, is what you're yeah, saying? For yeah, for sure. And, or this is this is where they go to socialize, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and interestingly enough, you actually have a lot of people who are very highly educated as part of it. Um, there's one uh, who posts on Twitter all the time. Um, I'm going to say they because I'm not 100% sure. Um, but they post and... They work at Moderna, and they have been one of the key people working on the COVID vaccines. Wow, wow. Um, doing studies and doing, like, public outreach on Twitter. And not just, like, take the vaccine. This is the right thing to do. Like, scientific real data, like, real study data with accurate percentages and sample sizes and, like antibody ratios and like real data fascinating and then their uh their uh uh you know their avatar is their furry character yeah and they get you know they'll get attacked for them like i'm a scientist like this is what i do every day and yeah i go to the conventions i have a good time we were out at one in chicago and uh they were coming i'm like i'm like wife you know carrie tell tell them to come over i want to say hi and give them some free stuff for being a great advocate for yeah. doing all that work. So you saw them and you were like, this is a, this to you, this is a famous person. You're like, oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would, but like, I, but it was both, right? It was like, I'm not like the famous furries. I don't care. That's irrelevant to me. But somebody who's doing that work, 
that's yeah. somebody I want to meet. Yeah, I yeah, want to yeah. meet them, and I want to tell yeah. them thank you in person for the work. Can I ask a question about the thing that I don't quite understand? You mentioned you have a character, an avatar, or yeah, something. Yeah. So, and, and do you ha- you have to like stick with that, or do some no. people change? Yeah, some people change. Some people have multiples. Like, so since my wife's an artist, she has a lot of different. Um, she has a lot of different characters. Yeah. Because she's creating these things. Just like you like an animated show, right? Yeah. You're creating characters, you're coming up with their backstories, you're doing all that stuff. And so some people they have one character and that's how they go across things. So and it's not everybody. Some people just have art done of their character or they'll draw their character. Um, their fursona is what they call it. Fursona? Yeah. Um, but some people, if they have the funds and they really want to, they'll commission an artist to hand create a mascot costume of that character. I've seen some of those, yeah. And they are how much does that cost? Oh, it can be anywhere from two to ten thousand dollars. Wow. Um, a lot of the high quality producers, uh, they'll it'll be well over five thousand dollars for Holy a whole cow. suit. Yeah. Um, and the quality's amazing. Yeah, I've seen them. They look like Hollywood. It's astonishing uh-huh. level quality. They're way cheaper than they should be based on the amount of work. So I'm going I'm to show Paul. This is against my will. My wife made a character of me. Oh, I love it. I don't think you've ever seen it. No, no. So Are you, she, is this real or is this going to be no, a drawing? She, no, she, she, she just drew it. Oh, okay. So like she has, she won a, a head and a tail and like paws and stuff. And she wears it occasionally. It shows and has a good time. But you get to be animated and be a big character. Yeah. It's not who she is all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she made one against my will. But I also wear it at the conventions because if I'm going to be there, I wear a badge. Basically, it's a piece of artwork that you wear to identify who you are. Okay. Um, so this is I wear this at the convention. That's great. You, oh, you're, holding up, you're a big polar bear. Yep. Holding a pizza. Yep. And it says, don't fucking touch me. Yeah. <laughs> So Do you she, dress up like that? No, no. Oh. So that's just a piece of artwork. we got to get you one of those made. So I, oh, it's, it's a lot of money, and I would be miserable. Um, it seems like it would be very hot. Oh, yeah. It would be, be hot. Yeah. Even people who are um, uh, a little less uh, voluptuous as we are, yeah. a little less voluptuous. You still um, sweat all day in those outfits. Even oh my the skinny God. people I, do. People who are, you know, 120 pounds soaking wet were going after that. Yeah. They were soaking wet. Yeah. Just going out and doing the dances and doing stuff. So you get to come up with like a backstory and stuff? Yeah, they. a lot of people do. Does um, anybody have like, does, like, does anybody have a backstory that's like, that they're like evil, that they're the bad guy? Well, so here's the, so yes, there are creative things where it's like the fun side of that. Yeah. And I'll go into the semi-serious for a minute. Yeah. Just like every subculture. There's also the problematic side. Every Everyone's going to have one. Every so, subculture is going to have one, yeah. So there's the problematic side with, you know, just like any other subculture, you know. Um, and I'm going to use terms that are well overused right now, but this is the actual versions of this, not the, not the dog whistle kind of mm-hmm. versions, but like actual grooming mm-hmm. of underage people, um, mm-hmm. you know. There's a little bit of, and again, I, I say this not to be... Um, not to be, you know, uh, like, you know, news at 11, this is happening. Yeah. Are your kids a furry? You can't let them do this because of this. But there are issues in the community. Like, there is a very interesting alt-right side of the of the furry community. They is wear, there really? Oh, yeah. They wear red armbands with paws on them. What? Oh, no. It's, it's a whole thing. They've developed alternative conventions to go to. 
and it's wild. And, but it's just like every subculture, right? You get, you get elements that are not, they just don't want to be part of the inclusiveness and the greatness of what the community really is. Oh my God. So that's a whole side thing. But you know, there's, you know, there's issues, um, issues of treating people poorly and all those things. And yeah, it does happen. And the community, some people are, you know, they're trying to figure things out. And maybe there's a little more opportunity too. But is it a good place for kids to go? Absolutely. There is some adult stuff involved. Like that's the, you know, that's the, you know, everybody wants to bring that when they do their the sexual news stories. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, there is yeah. that. But lots of communities have that. Every community has that. And like, <laughs> are you telling me that people are getting together in one space and hanging out and dancing in... Wait, are you telling me they might have sex after? Yeah, it's literally... They might have parties? Every freaking... This weekend, there's conventions in every city for every walk of life. Yeah. And people are getting drunk and probably hooking up. Every (laughs) convention. Yeah. The orthodontics (laughs) convention. You know what's happening there? A lot of stuff's happening there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, But, like, all that stuff gets popularized. But all in all, the people who I have spent time with there, which are... I spent a lot of time with the dealers who are business people. Uh, basically, that's what my wife does. She deals at the show, so that's most of the people we talk to. Um, they're there to do do a good work, be part of a community, like, and uh, sell their stuff and have a great time. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people who I would call friends now that are just like, I don't talk to them outside of the conventions, but aren't they good people? Am I thrilled to see them when well, I go? Sure, of course. Absolutely. Of course, they're great course. people, and they treat my wife awesome. I just, I'm fascinated with getting to come up with my own backstory. That seems fun. That seems like a lot of fun. 100%. You know what mine is? Uh Don't touch me and I like pizza. Don't touch (laughs) me, I like pizza. Well, I don't get it, though. Why? So so in the community, there's a bit more, there's like a a hugging thing that generally happens. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I I didn't want to be offensive. She's like, no, no, they're going to love that. They're going to love that we put that on the badge. All right. (laughs) But generally, there's like... There's almost a default where people will hug and do uh-huh. like do that kind of stuff, and it is good to communicate your boundaries. I don't want to be hugged. Or yeah. just like anything else, it's communicating your boundaries, and people should respect That's those. That's funny. I, I, get, I like it. Yeah. And be part of that. But that was more that was more just a joke around. I what I was getting at is, does anybody come in as an actual villain? Like, does anybody come in? Oh yeah. And yeah, say yeah. like, I slay unicorns. Oh yeah, or yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. There's well, so. We're getting into the weeds here for yeah, a minute, yeah. but I'll get into the weeds. <laughs> so there's like, and this definitely dives into fetish side of things too, but here we are. Um, thankfully, <laughs> we none are. of these things are how I live my life, <laughs> and I can talk about it from a hypothetical standpoint. But there's this thing called VOR, V-O-R-E, where it's okay. like you're kind of into eating things or being eaten. So, like, your your thing might be, like, you want to be consumed by a larger creature. Mm. Or you might be the creature consuming smaller creatures. Mm. So that's that can a, be a whole play story that's that, going on. Is that a sexual thing? Oh, it can be. Wow. I, that's a new one. I've not heard that one. It's There's so much. <laughs> like I said, I know way too much about this community <laughs> for my own good, for what I really Are want Are there any to Rochester conventions? No, not a convention. There was one briefly, but it's it kind of died off a long time ago. Just not the groundswell. Unsurprisingly, a lot of the community is based around RIT and RIT grads. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it is a it is a very interesting community. A lot of people travel to shows, big ones in Chicago and Pittsburgh and San Jose, um, and a couple others. They'll travel from all around the country to go to these. 
Um, I think it's great. It's I honestly, I think anytime somebody finds their thing, as long as their thing isn't being a serial killer, yeah. as long as somebody finds their thing, I think it's awesome. Like somebody who has arrived at a situation where they can say, these are my people. 100%. I, like, I am so happy for that person, no matter where that is. Well, shameless plug, if any of you are furries or want to learn more about that whole thing, you can follow my wife at CrazyDude, C-R-A-Z-D-U-D-E on Instagram. You can see all her shirts. She's doing a couple things here in Rochester. Uh, I think she's doing Mayday Underground, and she's doing the RMSC, uh, okay. the Holiday Bazaar. Great. Uh, so she's bringing Christmas cards and other more traditional stuff as well. Yeah. But, yeah, she'll be there. Come say hi and ask questions. It's a, it's a whole thing. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, did we do the hour that you promised the people? Oh, I no, mean, we didn't. It was only 55 minutes. 55 <laughs> minutes? We can keep going. Well, so <laughs> I'll, I'll put in more. I'm not sure we got official plugs at the beginning, so Go. I'll do that now. Yeah. Um, you know, to make sure we're hitting the marks. Hit the marks. Hit Go the ahead, marks. Go and get the plugs in. Um, so uh, we do an event every other week on Wednesday at Three Heads for Curate Meals. You can go to curatemeals.com to order your meal, $35 for a meal for two. And basically, you don't have to plan your meal on a Wednesday. You come up, your food's done for you. You pick it up at 5.30. Get a great beer pairing from Three Heads. Three Heads is killing it right now with quality and price. Four-pack, so Oktoberfest beer, right? A good Oktoberfest. Four-pack of 16-ounce cans for 10 bucks. I saw that. They, They're they, killing it. They are absolutely killing They have maybe not... You know, I mean, there's, there's, I guess, different forms of scale, right? Jenny's scale, Anheuser-Busch, that's scale. But for craft beer, they've achieved scale. 100%. And, and that's, and when you get to that, ooh, that is fun. That's gravy, baby. And I got to say, their quality has gone up as well, and it's not mm-hmm. just volume. Their quality has gone way what up. What have they done that got their quality up? Uh, I think they, I, I don't know all the details. I think their their current head brewer also had worked at uh, uh, Custom Brew Crafters uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, in the Honey Oil where their stuff used to be produced. Yeah. Um, I gotta say, uh, the consistency of everything they're putting out right now, I'm thrilled with the quality. And as Paulie mentioned, and I've been on the show over the years, I'm a nerd. I, I if I wouldn't talk about it if it wasn't great. And mm-hmm. I'm thrilled that we're there and partnering with them. They're great people, and the beer is tremendous value and quality. Um, but yeah, swing by, uh, swing by, uh, buy a meal ahead, and we'll chat and drink, uh, drink a couple beers. And then we're also doing events out in Buffalo. Um, uh, one actually a couple days after this comes out, um, we're in uh, Kenmore at the Nowhere Lounge, a new bar opening there. We're doing custom cocktails and stuff. You're a Buffalo guy, so that's got to yeah. be fun to be in Buffalo now. Absolutely fascinating food scene in Buffalo. It's different than here, uh, which makes it exciting. What too. makes it better and worse? Give me the what's what are they better at? What are they worse at? There's it's a different feeling in Buffalo. I think Buffalo's got a we're gonna succeed kind of vibe, okay. and Rochester has a we think we're better than we are. <laughs> and we're going to fail kind of vibe. Uh-huh, okay. Um, there's this, um, and I, 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 th- I think I've seen it through the years of when a new project comes up in Rochester, like, that's never going to work. You're so right. It's never going to work. And you know what Buffalo does? Like, hey, you know what? We're awesome. We're going to make it work. And I, I think there's more of that going on there. And I, I wish we loved ourselves more. Yeah. You're so right. It is a Rochester thing. There is a, if somebody puts themselves out there and says, I'm going to do this thing, you will always find a subset of people rooting against them for no particular reason. I I, I wish we loved ourselves. We still think we're better than we are, too. I think we need to, we need to love ourselves more. We need to work together to be better and not 
not be so separated. Like, it's everything that is good about being here in Rochester is about being part of Rochester. Yeah. Like, how miserable would we be if we didn't have ties to the community? How miserable would we be if we didn't have these relationships? Yeah. Like, hey, you call me and we say, hey, you want to record something? We'll talk for an hour. Yeah. Or you call me and you need me to do taste testing. You need me to do something. I'm there. And it's all about the relationships. We're we're here for each other because we know we're trying. We're trying yeah. to do good stuff. Well, what do and we do better? What's better about Rochester than Buffalo? Um, I think... I think there's there is something about how late our collapse happened that we do have a that attitude's not it's a good and bad thing that we think we are really great and I think some things pop up from that attitude that are worthwhile I, I struggle with it I, I I see Buffalo as a more positive place in a lot of ways but they also went through a harder time in between. And I'm not sure I have a good answer to what's really better about Rochester than Buffalo. Because I'm struggling with that myself. Right I would now. never ask you to name names because I wouldn't want you to. Honestly, even yeah. if you said, I'm dying to name names, I'd be like, no, yeah. I don't want you to name names. But there are some people getting credit for things that you kind of think are like shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's as it one is, of them interviewing you on this podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, thankfully no. Okay, good. But you know what? It's it's so yes, I am I am particular and we used we used to do segments on the food and wine show before. Yeah. It was like like, you know, Stromy's nerd corner. Yeah, yes. And but whatever particular else. Chris. <laughs> um and yes, I am very particular. And I'm I am unabashed about that. I but you know why? It's because I really care. And when people aren't doing things well, it makes me really, and not, not just like, oh, that's too bad. It makes me really, really sad when things aren't good. And it's like, oh, you could have done better. And I understand you might not be able to cost to value, do this, this, or this, but it makes me very sad when things are bad and you could have asked for help. Like you could have asked people to help you do better you could have done something to be better. And it's, I think that's the part that that's why I care so much yeah. is I want us to be great. I want our food and drink scene to be amazing. I want it to be this. And we have a lot of amazing things. Our beer scene is astonishing. Um, we're one of the best beer scenes in the country right now, but it's because a lot of things popped up and then more popped up on top of that. And the quality got better together, not apart. We're so segmented with so many different things that we're not working together to be great. We're separated and we're doing okay. Yeah. And I want to see more togetherness sure. and more everybody should do great together and not fight for the one part of the business. If we had more together, we would be better. I think that's a great way to go out on the podcast. I think it's sure. good. I got to go make some deliveries. Yeah. I got to <laughs> go look at some numbers. Well, Polly, thanks so much for having me over. Thanks for doing this. And uh, also subscribe to Food About Town Podcast and wherever you get podcasts. One of my absolute favorite podcasts, for sure. Never missed an episode. I've been recording a lot more recently. I'm part of the Lunchador Podcast Network here in Rochester, and they're helping me with a little bit of editing. And What is the Lunchador? What is that? So we're working together as a team. I did hear you mention that. Yeah, yeah. we're working together as a team to do um, to bring p- 
people together with podcasting. Oh. Um, so uh, 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 Matt Knotts, he's kind of the, the head, and I've been working with him a bunch on how to improve and do, do good stuff. So uh, the shows on the network are uh, myself, Food About Town podcast, um, The Anomaly Presents podcast, The Anomaly Film Festival has a podcast. Uh, that's coming up in early November at the Little Theater. If you like weird movies, um, basically they find the movies they love the most and they bring it to the people, uh, but they're not what you might go find. It's um, you know horror movies and the unexplainable and uh, weird action movies, genre movies. It's amazing. Uh, Punches and Popcorn, that's like a, like a martial arts movie show. Um, there's uh, the Beer Review Journal, which I've guessed it on a number of times. This is really cool. So it's a local podcast network. Yeah, and we're, awesome. we're actually doing it. Like, we're doing the work. So fun fact, before I did Craft Cannery, the the it was always a dark horse. It never became anywhere near realistic. But the other idea for me was I was going to try and start a podcast network. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're doing the work. Like, uh, That's Punches great. and Popcorn, they just had uh, uh, one of the recent episodes. They had the Sklar Brothers on. Cool. So they, but yeah. the guy's, the guy is... Uh, Mike Huntone, he's the host. Uh, he has a few other guys he does with it. But he's, he's like, the opposite of me on social media. Um, is he'll, he'll just go out and say, hey, you want to be on my thing? You want to go do this? You want to go do that? He's big energy. That's the opposite of me. Um, but you know what? He got the Sklar Brothers on his podcast, national-level comedians yeah. doing comedy, and they went on his show. That's and, cool. Um, but we have that whole thing going. Uh, so the Lunchador Podcast Network. Lunchador Podcast awesome. Network. That um, up. Uh, a few other shows that are uh, in pro in pod eh, in process or rebuilding. Uh, the most is with my besties, Mind and Magnus, uh, Magnus uh, Apollo, and uh, uh, Kale versus Self. And there was a wrestling show for a little bit, so we're kind of rebuilding a lot of that stuff now. And I lend the studio out to people as they need it, and we're just trying to do great things in Rochester. Speaking of wrestling, yeah, I'm uh, I'm going out to. Oh, it's terrible that I don't know what it's called, but I'm going out to one tomorrow in oh, Webster yeah? at the Harmony House. Oh. And, uh... <clears throat> no. Are you defending nope. your tag team nope. championships? Nope, this is a different federation. It's a different federation. So you're, you're abandoned tag team champion. I Let's went just, to when you won the tag see. team championships of whatever VFW that was in. Let's just say this much, because we have a rule, Okay. <laughs> Listen, bro, fucking kayfabe, this okay? This is kayfabe all day, kayfabe man. All kayfabe all day. Kayfabe all day, okay? There's a rule. This is old kayfabe, We can talk in detail kayfabe. about things that have happened in the past, but you yes. don't talk in detail about things that haven't happened yet. Yes. All I'm going to say is that I'm going to be there tomorrow. <laughs> that's wow. all I can say. All right. So. <laughs> Although, by the time this podcast airs, that's yesterday, yes. so never so, mind. <laughs> all right. We're, you're going to tell me where it is. If I can make it out, I'm going to be front row, and I'm going to be okay. booing the bad guys. I'm assuming you're a bad guy. I can't. I don't. I I don't know. I do what you're I'm talking about. I'm gonna boo the bad guys. No, I listen. I'm just out there to fight for what's right in my mind. Okay. I'm, ca I'm calling out Sam Roberts. You got to boo the bad guys. <laughs> and if I'm able to be there, I'll be booing the bad guys okay. all night. All right. All right. I'll be. I'll, there will. There will be future appearances, and I'll promote those a little further ahead of time. Awesome. Not gonna miss much if you're not there for the one that <laughs> is tomorrow in our world, but yesterday in the story podcast line. listeners' world. Story. We're building a story. We're building a story. I love. All it. right. Thank you for doing this. Thanks, man. Thank you.